You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Let me tell you, it's, it's been a pleasure this morning already. Just I'm standing over here with my wife worshiping and I'm listening to you worship and man, it's a beautiful, a beautiful sound this morning. So thank you for coming ready to ready to worship this great God of ours. If you're new or newer to Grace, on behalf of our entire church, I want to welcome you here um, as our guest. Thank you for coming. We're excited to have you here. If you uh, call Grace uh, your place of regular attendance, your place of home, your home church, then I want to say welcome home to you. It's good to be together as family. Uh, for those of you I haven't got a chance to meet, my name is Sean Rowley. I'm one of the elders uh, here at Grace. I also serve on our preaching team and also on our uh, youth staff. I, I help on our teaching team upstairs with our uh, junior and senior high students. But unlike Matt Patrick, who preached last week, I am not a grandfather. And uh, <laughs> it's a good thing at this point. I'm looking forward to it one day. My kids just aren't old enough yet for that. So I am, however, uh, life's changing. And I know I'm in firmly as a middle-aged man because I just had to get the reading glasses. Uh, which is cool, but actually with them on, you're all, I can't see any of your faces, so we'll leave them off for now. Um, But it's good to be together. We've been working through uh, Genesis, um, both actually down here and upstairs with our our students, and I've read Genesis a lot of times in my life. I've gone through Genesis many times, um, and I'm not really sure how I missed this, uh, but Jeremy Burt, who also serves on our, our youth staff, he's on our paid youth staff, him and his wife Monique have been coming to Grace for a few years now. They've been on staff for about a year and a half, I think. And um, Jeremy is a gifted, gifted Bible teacher and also a gifted theologian. And he has really helped me to, to just know God better, but also to know scripture better. And he pointed, he was the first one to point this out to me, that when we're dealing with the man Abraham, we're dealing with one of three sort of things, either a promised blessing, uh, a promised seed, that is descendants, offspring, or a, a promised uh, uh, land that's been sealed by this covenant that we're going to look at today. And last week, uh, Matt Patrick, when he was preaching, was in the very first part of chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, and that was dealing with the seed, the offspring. And today our focus is going to shift uh, a little bit and look at uh, the land promise that's also sealed with this covenant we're going to see today. Um, and Matt alluded to this a little bit last week that we are kind of taking a tag team approach to this chapter. And the reason is, is because a lot of the themes that we're dealing with uh, throughout the chapter are cohesive and they, they go together throughout the whole chapter. So we will actually be intentionally reviewing some of the stuff we talked about last week but also looking at some new truths um, that, that God wants to teach us this morning uh, as well. And, and I say that um, because I want you to know a couple things. One, I want you to know it's intentional because uh, I think if you're like me, we need to hear truths again and again and again in our lives. Some of you are nodding. Um, and I'm like that. One example of that for me is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, I know the gospel. I know it forwards. I know it backwards. I know it inside and out. I've experienced it myself. It's changed my life. I've seen it experience your experience with it as well. It's changed many of your lives as well. But I still need the gospel preached to me. I still need to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus. And so the truths we're going to look at this morning, and I just want to encourage you, soak in the reminder that some of them are for us, that we even just looked at last week, and enjoy the new ones that we're going to look at today. So with that said, let's pray and uh, invite the Spirit to work. And then we'll get started here. Bow your heads with me. Father, Lord, I love you. God, again, it's just been a sweet time of worship this morning. God, thank you for a family of God that, um, that God loves you 
And, and Father, thank you for a place where we can come and learn more about you together as family. And Father, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would fill this place, that you would fill me, that you would speak mightily um, and clearly and powerfully uh, through me and even in spite of me. God, give me the words you need me to say. And I pray for all of our hearts, God, that we would um, meet you this morning and be transformed because of it. We love you. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen. All right, so if you have a Bible, turn it to Genesis chapter 15 or turn it on if you have an electronic copy. We will be in uh, chapter 15 starting in verse 7 and it kind of picks up right in this middle of this conversation between Abram and God. Take a look at what it says in verse 7. It says, he, that's God, also brought to him, or excuse me, also said to him, that's Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. God starts this part of the conversation by reminding Abram both where he's been and also where he's going. And I think that's a good exercise for all of us is to kind of take a look in the rearview mirror. Where's, where's your life taking you? But also, where are you going? Where are you headed um, in, in Christ? And, and this is exactly what Matt was talking about last week when he said that our future is as clear to God as our past is to us. But Abram has a question. Look what he asked God. It says, Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of a possession of the land? And I, I love this question. Because it, it shows Abram's humanity and it also shows his humility, right? Abram is a guy that, that, that has this legitimate question. He's like, God, how am I gonna know that what you're saying is, is true to me? And remember with me last week that Abram um, is a man that says in verse six that believed God and God credits that to him as righteousness. Ultimately, what, what God's saying is that when Abraham believes God, when Abraham trusts God, when he puts his faith in what God has said to him, that that's what righteousness looks like. Now we know Abram's not perfect, not by a long shot, we know that, but Abram is a righteous man, and yet still, he has questions. And one thing I love about our God is that he is a good, good father, just like the song says. And for some of us, depending on what our earthly father or our earthly father's experience was like, it's hard for us to think of God in those terms. But the reality is, is God is a good daddy, And he invites our questions. He wants us to come to him with our questions and hear from him. Um, The reality is is that he made you, he loves you, and he wants relationship with you. And part of that relationship is for us to understand and know who he is better. And it can happen, I think, in a couple of ways. Um, One is just kind of what what doing what Abram's doing here is he's just talking to God. That's what prayer is for us. It's talking to God. It's a conversation with God. It's speaking. It's, it's listening. Now, Abram is actually hearing God's voice audibly, we believe. It seems like he is. And maybe some of you have had that experience in life. I do think sometimes God speaks to people that way. I've never personally had that experience in my life. But in times of prayer and, and study and through his word, I've felt his spirit speak things to me as though it were audible, He's told me things about my life, things that would happen in the future that did happen later. And so I know it was him speaking to me. And that's one way we can know is by listening to his word, listening to his spirit as he works inside of our hearts and lives. And the other way is by by going to his word directly, his, his inspired written word, the Bible. This is so important and this is why we're all about the Bible here at Grace. It's why we preach through books of the Bible and we talk about the Bible all the time because there's no substitute for being in the word. No substitute. I've, last year, uh, as I was going through the Bible, my, my brother Clint Stewerhoff and I, we decided to read through the Bible together, and so we grabbed a year plan, and we began reading through, and it was great. It was an incredible year. 
But this year, we've, we've got like six of us going through. Maybe next year, we're gonna have like 30 of us going through. I don't really know. But it's been wonderful just doing that together. We read the word together. We are able to send each other messages inside of the app and um, ask questions to each other, ask questions of God, discover God in community. That's what, that's what we're all about here at Grace. The app we use is, is called YouVersion. Many of you know it and have it. It's great. I encourage you to, to check it out. But the reality is, is that we have a God who calms our fears and he understands our questions. He invites those questions. So what are you fearing that you would like help dealing with this morning? What questions do you have that only an all-powerful and all-knowing God can answer? Are you willing to take those questions to him and see how he responds to you? Take a look at how he responded to Abram. Verse nine, the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. There's some kind of, of ritual that's about to play out here. And Abram is either um, a- acquainted with this custom, possibly because it's a custom that the people in the area he's living in now uh, have done, and so he's aware of it. We don't actually know. It's, it's a little bit mysterious. Possibly God just told him what he was supposed to do with the animals. But Abram gets the animals, and he butchers the animals, and he lays the two halves out separately. He doesn't cut the birds, maybe because they're too small. But he has these carcasses, and and like will happen in nature, birds of prey, other scavengers start to come, and Abram's kind of shooing those away. And then the day's kind of getting late in the day, and I just kind of picture Abram sitting down, um, picture him sitting down and waiting. Verse 12, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. I've wondered when I've read this, why does it say this thick and dreadful darkness? What's that about? I think what that's about is that Abram knows, he's about to encounter this uh, this, this direct contact with the holy God. And there's some fear that comes in there. There's some, some concern in, in his angst in his soul. Not because God's not a good, good father. He is, but it's because he's so powerful. He's so awesome. He's so majestic. He's so other than we are. It reminds me of the prophet Isaiah in chapter six when he comes into the throne room and he recognizes his own sin, his own humanity standing next to a perfect holy God and he says, woe is me, I'm ruined. He thinks he's gonna die. I think that's a little bit what Abram's feeling here, this thick and dreadful darkness. There's some weight to it. Look what the Lord says to him. It says, the Lord said to him in verse 13, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great um, possessions. This is an incredible thing that's happening here. Because what God is doing, he is giving Abram a prophetic word, a vision of what's going to happen in the future. And what he's talking about here is, is when Abram's descendants end up in Egypt, it's actually not even very many generations down, it's Abram's grandson and great-grandsons that will end up getting to Egypt. And they go there initially because there's this famine in the land. And so they are initially welcomed as guests into the country of Egypt. The Egyptians incorporate them into their society and they're welcomed there as guests. But as time goes on, the relationship between them sours and the Israelites begin to multiply in numbers and pretty soon uh, there's a, a ruler that comes to power that's never heard of the agreement that they had with this nation of Israel and pretty soon they just enslave them. 
And so then for 400 years, they, they experienced this difficulty, this incredible mistreatment for 400 years. It seems like it goes on and on. The reality is we all experience difficulties in life that seem like they go on and on and on. And what God is saying in this story is that even in the midst of those difficulties, even in the midst of that 400 years, that he is going to be working, he's doing something, even in spite of and in the midst of their difficulties. And our God is a God that also does that inside of our own lives as well. Most recently, I saw this um, so beautifully on display in, in our brother Tim Clark. For those of you who were at the men's breakfast, you heard Tim speak, incredibly powerful, um, just incredibly moving to listen to that man tell his story. Because Tim, for those of you that don't know, is, is struggling with, with cancer. And Tim, um, actually his wife also is struggling with cancer. And Tim has been going to uh, treatments, chemo and radiation, and, and Tim described to us that when he's in these radiation treatments, he has to put his arm in this uh, cylinder, this sleeve sort of thing, to, to get his arm so that they can aim the radiation precisely so they can do the most damage to the cancer that they can with this radiation treatment. But Tim said that, that when he puts his arm in this position, this particular position, he's experienced some of the most incredible and intense physical pain that he's ever experienced in his whole life. I imagine that Tim's also experiencing the most incredible and intense emotional and spiritual and mental pain that he's experienced in his life. I mean, how could he not? But one thing they offer when they go to this treatment room, they allow you to play whatever kind of music you want. And Tim has them play praise and worship music when he's, when he's in there getting his treatments done. And Tim described to us that, that when he's in there, in spite of the intense and unbearable pain that he's in, He has these praise and worship music, words about our great God and Savior washing over him. It was beautiful. Tim Tim described experiencing joy and peace um, and hope and encouragement even in spite of this awful thing that's going on. Tim is experiencing those kinds of things at the same time through the difficulties because the Spirit of God is working in his heart and life. Now certainly it we don't only experience in the goodness of God uh, in times of difficulty, right? God also works in the times of good, in times of blessing. It's a both and kind of thing. The spirit of God is always at work in the hearts and lives, particularly of those who love and trust and follow him. Friends, I wanna experience that kind of joy and trust and freedom. So what about you? What difficulties are you walking through right now that feel like they will never uh, never end. Are you willing to trust that God does have a plan and is working out his purposes in the midst of your suffering, even if you can't see it? Even if you don't know where he's at, are you willing to trust his word? Are you willing to do what Abram did and believe God? Even if you can't see it. We're given some encouragement that we know God is at work in the midst of our suffering. We see it in Romans chapter five, verse three. Paul writes this. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. This is the kind of hope that that Tim is experiencing in spite of what's going on in his life. This is the kind of hope that is available to all of the people on earth, all throughout the world that will put their faith and their hope and their trust in this great God of ours. And so friends, if you've done that, this is the kind of hope that's available to you. By the power of his spirit working, it's available to you in your heart and life. 
And for those of you maybe who have yet to, to enter into a relationship with Jesus, maybe you're still checking God out. You're kind of trying to figure out what he's about, what this whole church thing is about. This is the kind of thing that I'm inviting that you, that God's inviting you into, is that kind of hope. Because I can tell you, you will not find that kind of hope and peace and healing and joy anywhere else on earth. It doesn't exist. It does not exist anywhere else. God speaks words of hope uh, to Abraham next. And he also speaks one uh, final word for the nation of Israel. Take a look at what he says, verse 15. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. Imagine this was incredibly, incredibly comforting to Abram. Because God has just said some incredibly difficult things about things that will happen to his descendants, to his uh, future uh, generations that will come after him. And Abram, remember, he's a guy that has left everything. He left the, the area, the country, the land that he knew to follow God. He left his whole family except for his nephew, nephew Lot and his, his wife. And they've been traveling for hundreds and hundreds of miles. They've gone all over the place. And then God gives them this word, um, both a hard word to hear, but also an encouraging word about his descendants. And so I imagine he's wondering, God, what about me? What's my future? And so God tells him, you are gonna you're gonna have a long life and you're gonna be buried at a good old age in peace. It must have been incredibly comforting. But God also has another word here, verse 16. He says, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. What God's ultimately saying here is, again, he's reiterating this promise. Your descendants will not stay in slavery forever. This is God's grace to to Abram to let let him know about his descendants, but it's also God's grace to his descendants. And I also see in here God's grace to the Amorite people. Because the Amorites were a nation, a very, very wicked nation that lived in the promised land, lived in the area that God was going to, to give him to possess. And this, these people were so wicked and so evil, and God says their sin has not yet reached its full measure. What I see here is God being incredibly, incredibly patient with them. I see God here granting them even grace because maybe they'll repent. Maybe they'll repent. God is a God that takes sin incredibly seriously. In fact, he takes it so seriously, he was willing to send his son to live a perfect life, to die a horrible death, to go to and through the grave, to ascend to heaven, and then to send his spirit to indwell the hearts and lives of those who would follow him, who would trust him. But for those that don't, God's serious about sin, and he, he will judge that, and that's what he's saying there. You remember Abram's initial question? God, how can I know that I'm gonna possess the land He's been in this deep sleep. He's heard from God all of these things that are happening to, or going to happen, and he's laying next to these animals. Take a look at what happens next. Verse 17, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. What's happening here is, is this ritual, this, um, yeah, this ritual is being played out here. And again, it's kind of mysterious we see this, this uh, smoking uh, pot and this blazing torch and it's passing between the pieces of the animals that have been butchered. And ultimately we know that that, that torch, that fire and that smoking fire pot, it represents the very presence of God himself. And we know that because as we look all throughout scripture, God's presence is represented that way. When the nation of Israel come out of Egypt, out of slavery, they go to Mount Sinai, it says there that God's uh, Spirit, God's presence, descends on the mountain like fire and the entire mountain is covered with this cloud of smoke. 
We see it uh, elsewhere in the book of Isaiah, his presence is mentioned like that. We see it down in the book of Acts chapter two where God's presence comes down like fire and it, it li- la- lands on and, and lights on all of the believers there. It's incredible, incredible. So we know what's happening here is that God's spirit, God's presence is doing um, something in this mysterious ritual that we see being played out. And we don't have too much information, but the, the, the prophet Jeremiah in the 34th chapter, he describes a bit about what's happening here. And what's happening here ultimately, um, or what would happen rather, they would arrange the, the halves of the carcasses. And then if there was an agreement, a covenant, a, a contract that was being entered into, people would walk, they, the two parties would walk back and forth between these dead pieces of animals, essentially saying, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, then may what's been done to these animals be done to me. That's essentially what's saying here. But typically, for a contract, both parties sign, right? Both parties agree to that. And that's what normally would happen, but what we see happening here is something different. Because it doesn't say that Abram got up and walked between the pieces. All it says is that God himself went between the pieces. And so what he's saying here it's unbelievable but true is that God himself and God alone will take on the responsibility of this covenant even if Abram doesn't fulfill his end of the bargain. It's incredible. It's an incredible thing that also uh, not only seals this covenant but it also foreshadows the new covenant in Jesus that, that will come later that we're gonna talk about here in a few minutes. It's un- unbelievable but true. So God at the end of this chapter in no uncertain terms, he says this, on that day, The Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. This is an incredible, um, incredible massive amount of land that God's giving them. He says the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. All hard names to say. Um, but God's gonna give them this land. He, he makes a covenant, he makes a promise to Abram. Abram asks for assurance and God gives it to him. So what are some insights? What are some things that we can learn from this text? The first one is this. It's that God is a God who wants to be known. God continues to reveal himself in our stories as we study through Abram's life. God continues to, to reveal himself to Abram. And God also is continuing to reveal himself to you and to me and in fact to the entire world. He does it uh, through his word. He does it through his spirit. He also does it through his creation. You remember with me last week we talked about this when God takes Abram outside. He says, Abram, look at all of the stars that, that are in the sky. Look at how many there are. He's saying essentially there that Abram, if I can make all of these stars, thousands and thousands of stars that literally cannot be counted because there's so many, then Abram, I can make a baby for you. I can make a nation come from you, even though you're an old man. And God continues to reveal himself even to us inside of creation. This is what Romans 1 is talking about. Think about all of the incredible things that we can see just by looking around our world. The incredible heavens, the stars that we talked about last week. Um, The beautiful sunshine to warm our faces during the day. The rain that falls to keep our, our, our world green. All of the mountains, all of the rivers, all of the valleys. Think about all of the animals you've ever seen, all of the plants, all of, all of everything you've ever seen. They all point to a God who made all of that. I think one of the, the greatest um, billboards about looking at who God is is when we look at our own human bodies. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm a nurse. Um, 
I'm also a nerd, and I love math and science, particularly science. Um, I love anatomy and physiology, and my daughter is uh, in college, and she is reading this book or read this book called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, and she, she called me. She's like, Dad, you have to read this book. You're going to love this book. And I said, okay, so she gave me her copy because she was done with it, and I, I started to read this book, and it's written by uh, a guy who's an orthopedic surgeon, and he's also a follower of Jesus. And he, in incredible detail, describes the incredible ways that your bodies were put together, the ways that they were made. Now, it's not boring detail. Don't, don't hear that. It's great detail because God wants us to see how incredible your body is. It's unbelievable. And so God is revealing himself. He continues to reveal himself to us. And the reason why is because this is a God who made you, he loves you, and he wants to know you, and he wants to be in relationship with you, and he wants to be known by you. And so I'm inviting you this morning into deeper relationship with him. I'm inviting you, if you do already know this great God of ours, to come deeper to come further, to ask his spirit to work in your life, to dig into his word, to get in deeper community, to come into the family even further. But if you don't know this great God of ours, if you're still checking out who he is, then my invitation to you is to come join the family, to come and move closer to God. If you don't know what that means exactly or exactly how to do it, please come talk to me after the service. We'll have prayer teams up here on the sides. Come talk to one of them. Talk to the people that brought you. This is an incredible family and an incredible God, and we have a God who wants to be known. The second thing is, is that God fulfills his purposes and his promises on his timeline. This is what we see in this text. We see that God specifically says for 400 years, um, your, your descendants are gonna suffer in Egypt, and then they're going to be released at the proper time, in God's timing. And I've struggled... Um, really in one particular area, waiting on God. It's really been the last 12 years since my mother died. And there, there's a lot of layers to that. There's a lot of layers to why I struggle, why this is difficult for me. But my mom died in this time of year, in the spring. And so every spring for the last 12 years, there's just this heaviness, pain. It's challenging and every single year, as we're getting through the Christmas season, as, as I'm kind of anticipating what this year is going to bring, I ask God, God, please, you know, could this be the year when I don't experience that? Because it's painful. It's hurtful. But every year since 2007, I continue to experience this pain. And I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting on him to heal me. I'm waiting on him to, to help me move through this. Um, but it's difficult. Now, the reality is, is that God has never, never promised me that he would take this pain away from me. At least that is until I get to be with him one day when I die. But this side of heaven, he's never made that promise to me. He's never told me, Sean, you're not gonna have to struggle with this anymore or you'll only struggle with it for this long. It's possible I might struggle with this the rest of my life. I pray that's not true, but it's It's possible. But what God has promised me is that he would be my comforter. He's promised me that he would be my helper. He's promised me that he would be my friend and my father and that he will never, never leave me. And he's promised you those same things. The reality is even if he doesn't heal my pain, God is still good. He is still God. And I 
will worship him. I will. Are you waiting on something from God this morning? Are you waiting for healing, for rescue, for help, insight, wisdom? My encouragement to you this morning is to cling to the promises that God has made for you in the here and now, and then to wait by faith for the promises that he will bring one day um, in the future, because God fulfills his purposes and his promises on his timeline. The third thing I see is this, that God gives assurance to those who love and to trust him. Abram needed assurance from God. He says, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I'm going to inherit this land? He, He wants this assurance from God. And God gave it to him in this vision and then sealed it with a covenant. But God also gives assurance to us. And sometimes we struggle with assurance or we'd like assurance in different areas. For me, it's doubt. Um, It's it's simply doubt. I don't think I've struggled with this anywhere near as much in the last five years or so. But I do sometimes. And usually it comes for me when I'm laying in bed at night. um, The lights are off. The house is dark and quiet except for the schnauzer snoring. And I'm... I'm laying there just in my own thoughts, in my own head, just thinking. And the, sometimes the thoughts that come to me are, God, am I really saved? God, have you really adopted me into your family? Am I really your child? And I wonder, maybe you've wondered some of those things. The reality is, is that God has promised and does give us assurance. One of the ways he does it is through his word. This is verses that are great encouragement to me. Ephesians 1, verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. Remember we talked about Abram in verse six. It said that he believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. So the belief we're talking about here is not just some kind of mental assent. It's, it's a belief that says, okay, God, I, I believe you. I believe I need a savior. I believe that I trust you. I believe that I trust that the cross was sufficient for me. I believe that you sent your spirit to dwell inside of me because that's exactly what the, the guarantee is for us. He says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. Friends, if you struggle with doubt, cling to these promises. When you believed, God sealed you. He marked you with his beautiful Holy Spirit. And that same spirit, if you believe or when you believe, is now dwelling inside of you. And he's helping to lead you and to love you and care for you and bring you more and more into the image of him. And he's bringing you more and more into his family. That's this great God of ours. That's, that's what he's like. But for some of us, for others of us, we don't need assurance with that necessarily. But maybe you're struggling and you need assurance because like my brother Tim Clark, your body is breaking down. Maybe it's breaking down because of, because of age. Maybe it's breaking down because of health issues, because of illness, because of injury. But for whatever reason, your body is broken down and you're discouraged. The Apostle Paul writes this to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 4. He says, while we were in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. This tent that he's talking about here is actually our body. He's referring to tent as a dwelling. And what Paul is saying ultimately is that that while we're in this tent, it's not that we want to be unclothed, we don't want to have no body, but rather we're looking forward to a better body, a heavenly body. 
He says, uh, so that what may, is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Friends, if your body is breaking down, if you're struggling with health issues, if you've put your faith and your hope and your trust, you've believed in God, then, then God by his spirit promises you an incredible brand new body, a powerful body that will never break down. Right now things are breaking down but one day they won't anymore. It's gonna be, be incredible. So my encouragement to you is if you struggle with this, if you need assurance, if you need encouragement, then cling to the promises of God. And that brings us to our last point, which is really the overarching theme of this whole chapter. It's this, is that God's promises, they can be trusted. They absolutely can be trusted. Now, I, I wanna be careful to warn, to warn us here because Again, we can't bank on promises that God never made to us. So for both of you that are praying that the Patriots are gonna win this afternoon, it seemed like it was only two, I don't know. Um, I don't know if God's promised that or not. I guess we'll find out, you know, this evening. We'll find out. But the reality is, is, is we can't be banking on things God never said. Sometimes God makes promises to us or we think God's made promises to us but they never play out. The reality is, is, is sometimes we just want stuff and so we, we think that God's promised to, to give us something and we haven't necessarily got it yet. The reality is, is that if God promised it to you, he will bring it to you, he will, he will give it to you. Um, but his promises will always be in conformity with his will and in conformity with his word and usually affirmed by other people around you in the family of God. That's one of the ways that we can know that that the promises we're hearing are from God himself. But we can know for sure that what he has promised he will do, he absolutely will do. Dozens and dozens and dozens of prophecies have already been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Things that were written thousands and then hundreds of years prior to Jesus ever being born were fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is also, God is also still in the process of fulfilling the rest of the prophecies, the rest of the promises that he said would come. They haven't all been fulfilled yet, but we know for fact we can trust them because of what God has already done, because he will accomplish what he said he would do, which is set out on this incredible rescue mission for humanity. So I want to invite the worship team and the other leaders to come to serve communion We've talked about it a lot this morning, but the gospel of Jesus is simply this. Um, All people have fallen short. All people have sinned. All people have, have rebelled against God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the gospel says that Jesus came as a perfect uh, human. He lived a perfect sinless life. He died a terrible, uh, terrible death. He went to the grave, through the grave, ascended to the throne, and then sent his beautiful Holy Spirit to dwell inside of the hearts and the lives of those who will trust him and follow him and love him. That's the gospel. And when Abram in our story made this covenant, or God rather, made this covenant with Abram, remember it was a one-sided covenant. In our new covenant, which is sealed by the blood of Jesus, our new covenant is also one-sided. Because the penalty for sin is death. And that's what you and I all deserve. But somehow, God in his glory and his greatness and his goodness to us He says, I'll take the pain and I will take the punishment on myself. It's a one-sided covenant that Jesus goes to the cross for us on our behalf. So that's what we're celebrating here at communion. We're talking about what God has done. We're celebrating what he is doing. And we're also looking forward to the promises that one great glorious day when he'll come back for all of us.
So I want you to come and take the elements of communion. Take them back to your seats. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time worshiping this great God of ours. And then I'll come back up and lead us through taking together as a family. Let's worship him. We have a a God who not only makes promises, but he keeps his promises. And so my encouragement for all of you this morning is to, to, to remain focused on Jesus. It says that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's keep our eyes fixed on him. Keep our eyes focused on what he's going to do. And also soak in the good, good promises he's made to us, even here and now, and enjoy those good promises in our lives now. Let me pray God's blessing over you. Father, thank you for this morning. Um, Again, thank you for the way your spirit moves and works. We love you. Uh, I pray, God, for everyone in the room, myself included, that, God, you would maintain our focus on you by the power of your spirit and your incredible promises. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.